open up your books, you bad apples. But yeah, so I was just, I, I looked at the man and I, and I said, this is the man. I said, this is the man. Totally normal. Totally, completely normal. If I had a dollar for every time I woke up with some stranger sitting at the foot of my bed just waiting to have a conversation with me, I wouldn't have any money because it's never happened, but you know. <laughs> but hey, if I were to if I were to do it to somebody, I, I mean that's what I would say. If I was in somebody's random room, I would say, This is the man. Now that I now that I say it out loud though, I don't think I want strangers coming into my room at night. Uh, now that I, you know, yourself. it took saying it out loud, but yeah, I don't think that that's something that I want to happen to me personally. Well, if you're Raskolnikov, it happens all the time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club. We are covering part five of Crime and Punishment, part five of six. Part five of six, and we just reached a major milestone in our major. journey. Milestone. Uh, can I get Walking. a drum roll? <laughs> uh, we got our hundredth listener. Now, now this is a huge goal. At least one hundred people at least gave us the courtesy to press play and then think, ah, you know, two minutes is enough anyway. But <laughs> I'm sure it all counts towards the analytics. As mentioned in my Instagram story, I said I'd give this person a shout out. Now this man, oh my gosh, he is an American hero, you guys. I tell you, I worked right alongside him. It is Neftali Torres Cruz. Him and his thank family. You, yeah, thank you, Nefty. Him and his family were listening to our podcast in in the car with his wife and his two children. So I hate for there to be a fly in the ointment, but I hope that they were each listening with separate devices because we need the numbers. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll count it as our hundred and fifth listen. We have a hundred and five listens at this moment. Very exciting. And while we're getting this stuff out of the way at the top, uh, we officially have an Instagram account and you can follow us at Bad Apple Book Club. Yes. So get, get so all your updates that. and do that. Because in do this it. day and age, you don't you don't want to be left behind. You don't want to be left behind. No, you especially wanna, with this podcast. You want to know when we're uploading episodes? You want to know what the episode's about? Maybe maybe you'll be like me and you won't remember some of the big specific plot points in specific parts. So you jump back to the Instagram account and see, oh, that's the one where Raskolnikov did that thing. Yeah, and he's been doing many things. So. He's been doing many things. He has led an eventful life since the beginning of this book. Honestly, you can't say that his life isn't boring. Now, I suppose before we get into the meat and potatoes here, we should give a brief recap on part four of the book. There was a few things that happened that are major to the story, so... We start off with an introduction to Svidrigliov, who makes... He makes Raskolnikov an offer to be the link between Svidrigliov and Raskolnikov's sister, Dunya. That, I mean, that uh, smelled like bad fish from the get, so Raskolnikov's not really about it. Not about it. Yeah, this man came into town. 
his intentions completely on Dunya and Raskolnikov, the detective he is, he was able to sniff it out right away. We were we had the meeting with Peter Petrovich. Peter, the big the big family meeting, and Peter, hate to see it, but he's kind of out of this picture. In the letter he sent to Dunya, he specifically requested that Raskolnikov not show up. And not only did he show up, but Razumian tagged along too. Our boy. Like you I can't said, leave out our boy. This is officially the Razumian fan podcast from here on out. Yeah, we are changing the name to the Razumian fan club, Razumian believers. He uh, means well. Yes, he means very well. We we get to, we got to see periphery go into his investigative techniques a bit, which was pretty fun. Boring uh, into the brain of Raskolnikov. Yeah, just drilling in there, and Raskolnikov also he. I guess you could say it's his first date with Sonia. Didn't go so well. Uh, He just insulted her a lot and told her, I know who killed your best friend and left. So not a good first date. If I may be so bad, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Who's to say that she wasn't having an awesome time? Very true. You know, you, you never know. Oh, I also want to include that Razumian now knows that Raskolnikov uh, did the murder. So that was that was also pretty big. Alrighty, and uh, with that, take it away. Part 5, episode 5. Here we go. So, to roll into this one, well, I guess to roll out, I don't know, P- Peter Petrovich, he rolls out of bed and, you know, his, his last encounter with the family didn't go well. And he's not looking good. Very embarrassing. So he is, he's not feeling good right now. He thinks about his last encounter with Dunya and he's like, this whole thing could have been solved if I would have just bought them some more furniture or a nicer train ticket or a nicer hotel. (laughs) Because remember, they're staying in a two-star hotel in St. Petersburg. He thinks it all comes down to the material items, this guy. Yeah, you, you just can't rely on money, you know? You no. got you to gotta have a good personality as well, which he doesn't. And It's about more than just money. Yes, but to Peter, that isn't the case. He's kind of shallow. Very. And he also wants Raskolnikov to be dead. So, ooh. Yeah, he is not a fan of him, and he's trying to wreck his life at this point. If I may be so bold, I just got to say that up to this point, I I am still pro Raskolnikov. He's got, you know, he's got his edges on him, but uh, otherwise, I mean, you know, what's not to love? Yeah, he, we should not like Raskolnikov, but I mean, throughout this story, it's hard not to sympathize with him a little bit. We're definitely team Raskolnikov. We're not team Peter. This is not team Peter podcast. (laughs) Never. And Peter, he's bunking with a younger man who considers himself a progressive thinker. He's always putting out these uh, quote unquote like progressive and smart ideas. He's pretty much just an idiot that's spouting these utopian ideas. Peter, he's chosen to room with him since he can assist Peter with the hip lingo. 
Like, uh, if we can recall, go. yeah, if you can recall Peter when he first meets Raskolnikov, he he was trying to use like modern policies. He was like that uh, SNL skit where Steve Buscemi has the ACDC shirt on, <laughs> and he's got the skateboard. My dudes. Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> exactly. And Peter Petrovich tried, but you know, especially if you are a fellow kid, you can kind of smell someone out when they're uh, when they don't know what they're talking about. You know. Exactly, and everyone in the room was able to figure him out, like and see see through him. The roommate, he he kind of knows that Peter is taking advantage of him. And he doesn't think too highly of him because this whole time that they're bunking together, Peter's like, uh, yeah, I could go to um, Panera Bread, but I, I guess we'll go to Subway, you know, just because you're, you are a bit poorer. He, he's always like reminding this kid of like their economic or, or of their class differences. Roommates, man, can't live with them, can't live without them. Yeah, so this is another um, instance that I'd just love to see play out in a sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> they they talk about the dinner that's coming up. This is the memorial dinner that Katerina, which is Marmaladov's wife, uh, she's throwing on this memorial dinner later in the day. And Peter's roommate says that he doesn't want to go to the dinner because Katerina... She has attacked him and pulled his whiskers out before. Wow. This And, and if I would recall earlier, I can't remember which part it was, but there was a man that was beating Katerina and Marmaladov was so drunk he couldn't defend his wife. This was the guy that was beating Katerina. Oh, wow. Then I guess I'm not too upset to hear that she pulled his whiskers out. <laughs> yeah I, they owed some money i'm pretty sure and um yeah this was the man and so he he says that he would only go to the dinner if he can spread his ideas of a quote new society and he also explains in the future there will be no need for assets so he's really taking a um john lennon approach to life, I guess. Sure. I don't know what that means. So John Lennon, you know, he was, after he split with the Beatles, he's like talking the talk, but he's not walking the walk, When it, if that makes sense. Especially with the song Imagine. Like, imagine oh, if there's More no, relevant now than ever. Yeah, with the song Imagine, he's just like talking about like not having possessions and like why can't everyone just live without all these different things and um and he says that while he has a solid gold toilet is what you're getting at yeah and i think during this time period he was just like chilling on his yacht with his pretty terrible wife at the time yoko yoko yeah my favorite member of the beatles <laughs> yoko was part of the beatles yes yoko ono <laughs> Yeah, she is underrated for sure. Oh yeah. They also discuss Sonia, who the 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 roommate had a bit of a relationship with, and he supports her acts of prostitution because only because it is a quote protest of society. So very the, punk. Yeah. 
this guy is just like a ninth grader imagining what edgy is, you know? Yeah. Like edgy society. So I'm all for it. Yeah, for real. And Peter, he wishes to see her and he's like, oh, let's bring Sonia to the room. So Sonia enters the room. She's looking rather ashamed and shy, but she takes takes a seat. Peter sits down across from her and tells her that he won't be able to make it to this memorial dinner. Sonia's like, oh, that's fine. I'll, I'll tell her. I'll, I'll tell my mother and she tries to leave, but Peter makes her stay. And Sonia, she asks about this rumor that's going around. And this rumor is that Katerina, um, she keeps on talking about Peter and how great he is because she's he's taking care of the fi- family financially. Like she's just expecting Peter to like come in, swoop them up and pay for all their expenses, basically. Ooh. Yeah. So Peter's like, uh, no, but he is also like very entertained by this idea that now the family is dependent on him, even though Peter's never met this woman in his life. That is just like him, you know, as we've got to know him so far, he was trying to do the same exact thing with Dunya and he probably just, uh, he enjoys the idea that someone's life hangs in the balance based on him for one reason or another. He loves this. Like, he lives for this, and it's pretty gross. He's a real turd. <laughs> he is. So Peter, he, he doesn't think Katerina can be trusted with the money because all the money that she got from Raskolnikov, she blew it on this super nice dinner that they're going to have here shortly. Peter, he decides to give Sonia 10 rubles and she leaves the room. His roommate praises him for his act of kindness. Uh, he's like, oh man, I didn't think you had it in you, but you you could be part of uh, this utopian society that I'm dreaming of. <laughs> yeah, this guy's got it all figured out. Yeah, honestly. And Peter, he is acting kind of weird, and his roommate notices it. The memorial dinner, or the party, is about to begin, and Dostoevsky describes Katerina's idea for the dinner as follows, and this is the quote. It would be difficult to explain what could have originated the idea of that senseless dinner in Katerina's disordered brain. So, (laughs) right off the bat, like... Yeah, he's like, this dinner is going to be a total shit show. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> so, a- a- as we were saying earlier, she spent over half of the amount given to her from Raskolnikov on a dinner that's consisted of pancakes, mm. rice and honey, and a few other dishes. And then for the drinks... They had the cheapest vodka, the cheapest wine. They're going for a uh, quantity over quality thing here, apparently, with the booze. Yeah, they probably had, like, natty ice in the corner or, like... Natty ice, a little bit of Phillips. The idea is just to get drunk and have a little bit of fun, which is going to happen. Mm. Katerina... She has this neighbor who is a short Polish man, 
And she's or he's basically helping her run all these errands. He, quote, ran everywhere as fast as his little legs could carry him. (laughs) So he's just like stumbling around, like getting all this food and like alcohol for her. And I picture Danny DeVito. (laughs) Yeah. And there and this room probably looks like uh, Frank and Charlie's apartment. Like they're probably going to have some milk steak uh, uh, cooking on the hot plate in the corner. Boiled Um, over hard with some jelly beans. (laughs) Some jelly beans. Yeah. And uh, who knows? Maybe Cricket will show up. Sure. And her German landlady is helping her set up the room. And uh, as she's setting it up, Katarina is just like, oh, no, no, no. We got to put the table in this corner. We got to put the tablecloth like this. And like she's just doing it wrong. Like her and her landlady do not get along at all. The German landlady, she can't speak uh, Russian that well. So half the time she doesn't even know what Katarina is saying. Uh, recipe for disaster and she is also tired of the polish man like he's probably just like showing up hours late with all these ingredients and stuff because his legs are so short or something but she's just getting tired of everyone and she she is also disappointed at the guest that showed up because remember she was a member of higher society and like we were saying, like it's probably, you know, Charlie Kelly from It's Always Sunny, Cricket, and all these like low lowlifes that are just like at this party. And the guests that showed up consisted of the landlady, the Polish man, a greasy man who smelled bad, a deaf and almost blind man who used to work at the post office, your friendly post office man, and a drunk grocery store worker who showed up without a vest like that pissed her off she wanted everyone there to dress nice and a man that showed up in his bathrobe (laughs) but was escorted out so like he just like wanders up into this room and he has nothing on but this bathrobe and he's completely naked underneath and then katarina's like oh hell no and she escorts him out quite the cast of characters Yeah, that's where she drew the line, but everyone else can stay for the dinner. Good to go. So some of the guests, Katerina, she doesn't even recognize and she's like trying to be courteous. She's like, oh, hi, you know, welcome to our memorial dinner. But it's more like, hi, welcome to our memorial dinner. Like she is not happy. Raskolnikov enters and... She is relieved because Raskolnikov has a little bit of an education. So she's like, oh, finally, a man of higher class, even though this man is like one of the worst people alive. She serves the dinner. And while she's doing this, she has like a very violent cough and she makes sure everyone gets to try her food. So it it reminded me whenever I go to my grandma's, she's just like, oh, cold. Before I'm even done with my first course, she's like already slopping down like the next uh serving and it's like grandma Ooh. like oh, i'm full you know that's just what the doctor ordered man i you do can be miss completely that. full but there is always room for more and you should never turn down a second helping if you uh if you have anything to say about it i mean 
Yeah, it can be very rude at times. So just take that second helping. But yeah, she wants to make sure everyone's trying her rice cakes, just that, uh, and also her pancakes. She all out of nowhere, she just starts like insulting everyone at the table, especially the German landlady, because she's the one that invited most of the guests. She's bathrobe man. Yeah. Blind deaf man. Yeah, she's like, you couldn't have invited, like, some better people. But the German landlady, she can't understand much. And she's just kind of, like, looking at Katarina with an open mouth. And Katarina's like, oh, you look like an owl. <laughs> like, Sheesh. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think she was able to understand this either. But she could understand that Katarina is not happy with her because the landlady is also wanting her to evict. Katarina, she starts to cough again for five minutes and like blood is visible. Like we've been saying, she's been coughing a lot. Her health is not really good at this point. Not and- well. No, and Sonia arrives and tells Katerina that don't worry, Peter will arrive shortly. And this calms her because, again, she wants another member of a higher class to be there. She is soon back to insulting people at the table. And uh, one of the ways she does this, she's like in front of the blind, the almost blind and deaf man. And she's like, you want more food? You want more food? Just like in a mocking way, because obviously he can't hear her. She goes on to talk about her husband and, or the grocery store worker just says, oh yeah, I heard he loved to drink. And the grocery store worker wasn't wrong either. No, he wasn't. And the grocery store worker then says, yeah, I also heard that he had his hair pulled from time to time. And this just gets laughs from the table. And then Katarina's like, that's enough. We're not talking about him anymore. This is his service. But let's let's talk about the rice cakes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Raskolnikov, he, he's just like chilling among the silence that follows and he's only eating to be respectful which i get like he yeah this is a man that can barely put down three spoonfuls of soup but he's trying his best to be courteous the landlady she tries to tell cautionary tales uh, like these old german fables but she totally slaughters the translation into ru- into uh, the russian language and <laughs> katarina laughs and she she's like oh all you foreigners are stupid so Ooh. yeah like this dinner isn't going well and she passes around this certificate of honor she had received from her quote previous life she always refers to her life before as her previous life it's as if she was like a kardashian i guess and now now she has to dine with people like us and she also describes like this school she wants to open up the german landlady was she says you should really be worried about all of die vasha which is the laundry (laughs) so like she's going on about her dream and the german landlady she's like yeah you should be really worried about all the laundry you'll have to do and then katarina is just kind of like i don't care like i'm gonna be managing the place i'm gonna have workers that are gonna be doing the laundry There you go. Yeah. And Katarina then complains about the lack of noble ladies here. And the landlady says, 
they wouldn't come to a lady that who isn't a lady. So pretty bad. And Katarina is pretty uppity, apparently. Yeah. And so Katarina calls her a slut. And the landlady responds, Vader aus Berlin, who was a burgermeister and would say, poof, poof. So Vader aus Berlin just means father from Berlin, who was a burgermeister, which is equivalent to a mayor. Ah. And the poof, poof part, I don't really know what that's supposed to mean. But I think she she got up on the table and made like pistol movements and said poof poof as if oh, like sure. he, she was as if he was like in the wild west like as a sheriff i think that that is the beauty of reading the book is um <laughs> so many ways to interpret everything <laughs> i have no idea what she meant by poof poof katarina says that her father was a colonel as if to like one up her. And then she's like, your, your, your father was probably a milkman. She says this to the landlady. Nothing <laughs> wrong with milk. Yeah. We need our milkmen. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, and, and this makes the landlady smack the table and rush towards Katarina. And at this moment, the door opens and Peter is the one who enters and he's just like rubbing his hands. He's like, all right, these are a bunch of poor people I can take uh, advantage of. That and he probably smells the tension from the other room. Yeah. Tension and pancakes, two of my favorite smells. <laughs> and cheap vodka. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah. And so Katerina, she's like, oh, thank God. I've never met you, but you've come here to save me. A man of class. Yeah. And and she rushes towards him and she's like, oh, please protect me. And then Peter, he's like, uh, get, get off me and like pushes her away. And he says, I am not here to interfere with your squabbles. And then this gets laughs from the whole room. I'm here to talk to your daughter, Sonia. Katerina, she's very dumbstruck by this comment. And she's like, oh, this guy kind of sucks and peter's roommate shows up as well peter he approaches sonia he accuses her of stealing a 100 rubly note from his table when she visited him from earlier sonia she does not know what to say and peter goes on to explain that he knew the exact amount on the table and when she left there's a hundred rubles missing He says that she should be grateful and return the money. She denies the accusation and the landlady is just like, oh, I knew she stole the money all along, even though she this is the first time she heard about this shit. Peter tells the room that they are all witnesses to this crime, even though they are not eyewitnesses. Yeah, this is the first time any of these people are meeting Peter or Sonia, so it's probably pretty easy to, for some reason, side with the the guy with all the money compared to the lowly girl. But up to this point, we know that Peter is a rattlesnake and Sonia is a little sweetheart. Yeah, Uh, everyone in the room is, uh, you know, kind of going with it, especially the landlady. She already doesn't have a good opinion of Sonia or her mother. Or not mother, I suppose. Stepmother? Yeah, right? stepmother. Yep. Yeah, she's tried to evict them multiple times, but they were literally just waiting for 
Marmaladov's body to be buried because it was rotting in the apartment. So pretty gross. Yeah. And so Katerina, she is completely turns her back on this man she's idolized and grabs the 10 rubles he actually gave to Sonia and throws it at Peter. At this moment, once again, as it always happens, the whole building has come to watch this scene play out. So it's just like when Marmaladov was dying. It's just like when... Everyone watches Katerina drag Marmaladov across the floor. Like, this is uh, their primetime TV. Yeah, this is HBO. HBO Max. Or what's what's the new uh, streaming service they're doing? Is it Max? That, that is the new one. What is even the difference between that and HBO Now or Go? Um, I'm not sure if all of HBO has it, but... Uh, from what I understand, HBO Max has like a deal with DC, so they're gonna have like the Zack Snyder cut oh. of Batman versus Superman. But I don't know why all of HBO wouldn't have that if that was the case. But that's kind of my understanding. Oh man, that's actually a good market move because those movies were held to a regard that was the Dark Knight was held to. You know, these movies. Did not bomb at the box office. They got great critic reviews. Uh, the CGI was great. You know, just to top it all off, they probably made the deal. They they gave uh, DC a $50 bill because nobody goes and sees their movies. Ooh. <laughs> the whole building has gathered to watch. Katerina, she defends Sonia and she's she says, my, my stepdaughter, she has a heart of gold. And then she goes on to insult her landlady once again because she was accusing Sonia. And she says that she is a sausage eater. Once again, nothing wrong with that. No. Everyone, everyone loves sausage, bro. I know, but Katerina, she's basically pulling out every German stereotype and insulting this lady with it so how rude (laughs) yeah she is very rude she threatens that she's taking this accusation all the way up to the czar she's not going to the police or basically anyone but the highest levels of government as if she knows the czar himself and she's going right to the top yeah and she she's like all right then prove it prove it that sonia stole this hundred dollar bill and so she drags peter over to sonia she unfolds her pockets and the hundred rubles fall out Ooh, ooh, so not, not a good looking book. good for not looking good for sonia no she is having a terrible um just past few days and peter he picks up the money and shows it to everyone the landlady claims the Family must be sent to Siberia. <laughs> she's oh, like, wow. Yeah, she's like, that's it. You guys are going to Siberia. Sonia, she starts to cry and Katerina embraces her. Peter starts to demean Sonia and he's like, well, why were you lying the whole time? Why didn't you confess? And then Raskolnikov is in the corner and he's just looking at him with hatred. Waiting for his moment to pounce. Yes, this whole time I was like, ooh, just get him already, Raskolnikov. 
Yeah, come on. You're capable of murder. Just do it already. <laughs> yeah, what are we waiting for here? <laughs> Get him out of the picture. Peter's roommate, he's present this whole time, and he starts screaming, quote, How vile! Are you out of your mind? And then Peter, he claims that he is that this man is drunk. His roommate then says that he saw Peter slip the money into her pocket and explains that he thought, oh, that must have been a nice gesture, like just an act of kindness. But he admits he was wrong and doesn't know why Peter did this. Yeah, we uh, don't have a lot of evidence to back up that Peter would ever do anything selfless like that. Yeah, and Peter responds by saying, oh, oh, you just dreamed of this whole situation. Raskolnikov, he finally speaks after being pretty irritated he's like all right guys like he's breaking it down for the whole room on his intentions of this he explains that peter did this out of spite to further disgrace raskolnikov in order for him to split from his sister because as we've mentioned multiple times the mentality of peter and raskolnikov it's just it's you or no it's me or him yeah so Peter's roommate confirms this theory by saying that Peter wanted Raskolnikov to be present during the accusation. So he wanted Peter to be there, or he wanted Raskolnikov to be present just so it could be another insult to Raskolnikov. The, the whole room at this moment, they, they just start throwing insults at Peter. They're like, you piece of shit, you asshole. And then... Peter tries to escape as the room crowds around him and he he thinks he can get away with this. He's like, oh, just let me through. Just let me through. Uh-huh. And then the drunk man from the grocery store, our hero, our yes. knight in shining armor, our, uh, I don't know, but he picks up a glass. He cleans it out a little bit. He's like, oh, you piece of shit. I'm going to throw this right at your noggin. And he, th- he tries to throw it at Peter. He misses and he hits the German landlady. Ooh, <laughs> right in the kisser. Right in the kissers. <laughs> and I just got to say before we continue it all to that, uh, Peter Petrovich is absolutely without a doubt zero for two in his social meetings lately. <laughs> yeah. Well, just I mean, even with his yeah, tail between his legs. Honestly, but like he he's been trying to each time he's been trying to disgrace Raskolnikov and it just does not work. <laughs> Peter is a dastardly dog. <laughs> yeah. So a- after this man throws the glass and hits the landlady, he hides under the table like (laughs) and the people just start laughing and peter he's like all right like it's good it's a good time to slip out at this time and sonia does as well the landlady she just starts throwing all of katarina's possessions on the floor and Katarina basically tries to tackle her. But the landlady, being the sausage eater she is, is much bigger than her and just throws her aside. And Katarina can't believe that she threw her like that after her husband's death. She's like, what the heck? I rushed at you and I tried to tackle you and you're going to try to throw me to the side like that? Katarina, she runs to the street. Her, her children are just crying this whole time and 
when the children are crying, the landlady is still just throwing everything on the floor, flipping tables, and Raskolnikov is like the last person there. And he's just like, uh, I guess I'll go too. <laughs> and he decides that now is a good time to confess to Sonia about the murders. Just put it all out there. Yeah, he's gonna lay it all on Sonia. Um, and she is not emotionally ready for this. No. Yeah, and when he's walking there, he says to himself, he's like, quote, Well, Sonia, we shall see what you say now. And he just starts off to her room. He hesitates about whether or not if he needs to tell her. And he decides, yeah, it's a good time to tell her right now. And he enters the room. Sonia has been waiting for him, but she requests that he doesn't talk about depressing matters like last time. And we'll see. It doesn't quite end up working like that. Remember that best friend of yours, uh, Sonia? <laughs> yeah, I killed her. So that, that kind of sucks, but... Bad conversation starter. That's it, but it's okay because you still love me, right? And we're going to Siberia, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is cut short when he mentions that he's like, Sonia, you could have gone to prison back there if it wasn't for me and Peter's roommate. He goes on to discuss who 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 does who deserves to live. Peter, a man that will destroy a family simply out of spite. Or Katerina, a woman that is obviously close to her death. And just again, Raskolnikov, like you're not doing good at comforting her. No. And Sonia responds by saying, well, I'm not God and I have no place in making these decisions. And she's just like, can you please stop torturing me? And she starts to cry. And five minutes pass, and Raskolnikov has this weird feeling of hatred for Sonia because she's kind of reminding him of, um, I guess, how bad of a person he is by asking all of this. And he looks at her intensely, and he meets her eyes, and she sees, or he sees that she still has a lot of love for him, and this makes his hatred vanish quickly. She's a good lady. She's putting up with. Honestly, the worst man ever and uh, still has a good character. He is about to confess, but he has the same feeling of hesitation about confessing that he did right before he was going to kill the pawnbroker. So Very right when, strange. Yeah, this is an interesting note. Like right when he had the axe above his head and he's about to swing it down, that's how that's how hard it is for him to confess. Like, it's on that same level. But Raskolnikov, he lies on her bed and becomes extremely pale. And he's trying to speak, but all that happens is his lips just start twitching. So Sonia comforts him and Raskolnikov reminds her that he wanted to tell her who murdered the pawnbroker's sister, a friend of Sonia's. She's like, well, well, how do you know this person? And he's just like, I know, I know who he is. And she asks if they have found him and he says no. She once again asks how he knows who did it. And he says, quote, I must be a good friend of his. He did not mean to kill your friend. He only meant to kill the old woman. And being quote, truthful. Being truthful. Yeah, he had no intentions to kill the sister. Not being able to think of any more hints, he says, 
you still can't guess who this person was. And when he asks this, he feels like he is falling from a building and he tells her to take a good look at myself. Sonia, obviously, she becomes very scared and has the same expression of shock that the pawnbroker's sister had when she was crawling into the corner. And even Sonia, like, it's an exact, it's the exact way it played out. Like, she's backing into the corner, just shocked, like the pawnbroker's sister did right before she died. And Raskolnikov asks, have you guessed? And as if he can't interpret her shock and horror already and she starts to cry into her pillows she comes to grip his hands and looks at him in disbelief she eventually realizes that he's telling the truth she gets on her knees and says quote what have you done to yourself and she goes to hug him and he says quote you're a strange girl you kiss me and you hug me after i confess And she says, there is no one in the world as unhappy as you. And she says she will follow him all the way to Siberia. He says maybe he doesn't want to go to Siberia. Yeah, they apparently have some sort of a magnetism to each other. Even after he tells her about the crimes he committed, she still isn't ready to run out of the room screaming at the top of her lungs. Yeah, and it was honestly kind of shocking that... She embraced him after all of this and Very. is like, it, it's as if he got a new job offer and she's like, of course we can move to the other part of the country. You know, I'm totally loyal to you. It's, it's like the same reaction, which is just totally weird. But Sonia, it's just how good of a character she is. Yeah, Raskolnikov, he, he's still iffy about confessing to his crimes. He's like, well, maybe I, maybe I can live a little bit longer without confessing and going to Siberia. So she asks why he did it and if it was because of the lack of food or money. He says no because he would be happy right now, which obviously he isn't. No. And, yeah, and... He goes on to explain his extraordinary people theory and says that Napoleon would have killed this pawnbroker too if she was in the way. This is the same theory that Raskolnikov and Porfiry Petrovich discussed uh, during Raskolnikov's interrogation, the article he'd written. That he totally forgot about, but it got published. Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's trying to explain himself, and Sonia just is not impressed with this at all, and he's like, wait a second, wait a second. I know what it was. It was because I needed money to get a start in college, and I didn't want to use my mother's money, and he's like, oh, that's it, I'm done, you know, like, that's the theory. And then Sonia's like, well... Your actions are not justified if you need the money. And he basically responds by saying, quote, I only killed a louse. So once again, you know, you'd think he would take on this redemption, but he's still struggling with his theory and denying it. Do you think he even believes that that's the reason he did it? (sighs) 
it, it's so hard to say because at this time he he does like three different theories but i would say this is his main theory for sure okay yeah because I, I mean everywhere he goes he even though he is a troubled man he still thinks of himself as almost a god i guess untouchable among some people and he thinks everyone else is very dumb so i'd say this theory makes the most sense well i guess i was i was talking about if he believes the the he did it for the money I, I wouldn't say so because, I mean, every theory after this, he denies. And, and it doesn't make sense if he did it for the money because guess what? He's not going to college. He's not doing these things he said he would to get this head start in life. So, no, this is obviously not one of his theories. Like, it's just like him trying to justify himself, which he can't. Then Sonia, she, she's not impressed at all with this theory either. And Raskolnikov is still trying to defend himself. And then he was like, oh, that wasn't it. After each theory, he says that wasn't it. And he also explains that he did it for the thrill and to see if he can cross the same barrier that people like Napoleon did. Bingo. Yeah, he he wanted to see if he had the right to do so. And Sonia's like, wait, hold up. Like, you have no right to do this. Nobody does. And then he says, don't interrupt me. I'm still explaining my theory. I only wanted to try to kill her. And then Sonia's like, try? You did kill her. (laughs) Like, Yeah, if he went in just to try, then he did a pretty good job, apparently. Yeah, mission complete, Raskolnikov. Oh my god. Done deal. Yeah. So he's just like, well, what should I do now? And then this is a part that was just so cool because Sonia rarely has these moments and she's like, get up, Raskolnikov. And she just grabs him by the collar and makes him stand up and (laughs) Raskolnikov is like whoa and then she tells him that he must confess out loud in public and kiss the ground and turn himself in and then Raskolnikov is surprised and he's like so I need to go to Siberia you're saying we're going to Siberia and she says yes because he has to cut off his family like he has to do his suffering and Raskolnikov tells her to stop acting like a child and everyone's going to laugh at him if he just starts kissing the ground and confesses that he's a murderer out loud in the streets, which I, I guess he's on to something with that. Yeah, that would be pretty embarrassing. Yeah, that wouldn't be a good look in public. It would be even more embarrassing because he didn't use any of the money. Like everyone w- would be like, why did you murder murder the lady and hide it all under a rock? So he didn't want to be embarrassed from that either. And he says that the police are onto him and Sonia cries out. He also says that he has a few things to take care of before he turns himself in. She tries to give him her cross and he says, or and she says, we shall suffer together and bear our cross. Raskolnikov says, give it to me. But stops and says, uh, it would probably be better to take this cross once I confess and actually redeem myself. And she's like, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. And then someone knocks on the door. So once again, this idea of suffering to repent for your crimes comes up. And at the door, it's Peter's roommate. He informs 
Raskolnikov and Sonia that Katerina has gone mad after being evicted from her house. And she has been going to like all these elitists uh, that were associated with her husband. She's going to like these houses, busting in the door and interrupting their fancy dinners. She's just doing this to get help like financially. And when this guy refuses, she starts throwing stuff at people and obviously she gets kicked out. She decides that she will dress up her children in rags, make them play instruments and sing so everyone can see, quote, well-born children beg in the streets because that would be such an awful thing to see. Yes. They all leave the room to go check up on Katerina and Raskolnikov is like, all right, guys, see ya. And he he heads to his room like he doesn't want to he doesn't want to put up with this at this time. He, he starts to regret his confession due to the pain it caused Sonia because she's already suffering enough. And Dunya enters the room and says she gets why Raskolnikov has been acting so weird. She thinks it has been caused by the police harassing him. And we kind of see that like Periphery is obviously playing mind games with him. And at the end of her speech, she says that if Raskolnikov needs anything at all, uh, she will be there for him at any time, which was super awesome of her character to do. She starts to leave, but Raskolnikov stops her by saying, Dunya, that Razumian is a great man and capable of love. Goodbye. And he thinks about hugging her, but he doesn't want her to hug a killer like himself because he's about to confess. So he doesn't want Dunya to know that their last moment together, she hugs somebody that murdered someone. Not exactly selfless of him. And the embrace, of course, wouldn't hurt, but he probably doesn't even feel worthy yeah, I, I totally agree with that. He's like, ah, I'm starting to feel like a louse myself. But Dunia asks if that's the message uh, he wants to leave her on, and she leaves. He wanders around the city feeling really depressed, and Peter's roommate is just like wandering in the streets as well, and he yells after Raskolnikov and says that... <laughs> Katerina is making music on a frying pan and a huge crowd is gathered around her. So, yeah, she's out in the streets begging for money by playing music and all of her kids are dressed up in these wild costumes and all, all this time Katerina is like begging for money. She's coughing up blood while doing so. She's trying so hard whenever there's a person that's like decently dressed She's like, oh, please help us. We used to be one of you. So it's like, once again, if... And- yeah, Katerina, as we've seen plenty of times, she's just not ready to shed that old life of hers, even though it's well in the past. Yeah, very much in the past, but she cannot come to terms with her position in society. No. <laughs> I mean, she's resorting to going out in the streets and... One of the costumes, one of the kids has like a turban on and, you know, Katerina, she is already stereotyping any foreigner and she dresses these kids up basically that way as well. 
So it's quite the sight to see. I believe it. If there's any hecklers in the crowd, she goes up to them and she starts yelling and she probably coughs a bit and blood probably gets on them. She starts to make up a story where Marmeladov was an honorable man who, quote, died in the service. So she was making up this revisionist history or backstory on this man, saying basically that he was a proud soldier in the Russian army. I don't know. But she's going crazy. Something a little different than he got drunk and got hit by a horse carriage. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She's just like, oh, you don't support our troops? And just like trying to guilt trip these people. And she sees Raskolnikov and says, quote, we are a different type of street performers. We used to be of nobility. So if we keep on playing our music outside of these mansions... They will help us out as if she was like, as if these people are going to come out of these mansions and, you know, not complain. Like they're probably calling the police right now with noise complaints. They're not coming out to Katerina to take her in. So she insists that they sing in French to appeal to these rich people. She starts singing, but stops to insult the children because they're probably not hitting the notes. It's probably like that scene in Step Brothers when, what's his name again, that Ben from Parks and Rec plays? His name is Adam Scott in real life, and his name in the movie is Derek. Derek, yeah. So it's like that scene where they're all singing in the car and his wife can't hit the notes and he just starts freaking out at him. Too true. So a police officer tells that Katerina needs a license to to perform the organ grinder, which I had no idea what it was, but I Googled it. And it's basically, you know, those um, music boxes that are in like the by carousels that are, you know, pre pre scripted and it's like a mechanical music machine that just like runs the-, the same song on a loop. The wheel spins around and has the little pegs that like hit the notes on the right moment or whatever. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, it's basically like that. So yeah, the the children are they run off because they are scared by the policeman and that shows up. And Katerina, she runs after them but falls and cuts herself. So yeah, her condition is not good. She is bleeding around her chest and coughing up blood. A spectator says, quote, as if he can relate to this, he's like, oh, my uncle just died from choking on his blood, just like this lady is about to. Even though we've only seen her in a few extended scenes, we've still seen a lot of personal deterioration in this woman. Yeah, but I just thought it was so funny that this guy, out of nowhere, he's just like, oh shit, this lady's going to die just like my uncle did. Yikes. Uh, But she she is carried to Sonia's room and a crowd fills the room as usual to get their entertainment. And Raskolnikov is just chilling there and he gets chills down his spine because Svidrigailov is there in the room which is very weird yeah katarina is surrounded by her children and she's basically like sonia these kids are yours now she also says quote the ball is over let me die in peace i have no sins i have suffered enough 
if he doesn't forgive me, I don't care. And that was her quote. And after she says this, she like closes her eyes and like she's about to die. But she does this multiple times as if she's trying to get attention. Like she 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 almost is like faking her death multiple times just for the attention. And she's like, everyone around her is like, oh, my God. Oh, no. And then she opens up her eyes and they're like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Like around the third time after she does this, she's like, all right, children, sing for me. And then one of the children starts to sing. And I think this was a German poem. But in German, it's Du hast Diamanten und Perlen. It also says, you have the most beautiful eyes. My love, what more do you want? It's just like a poem that really strikes the kind of person that Katerina is. Like, Hmm. you had all these things. You're a beautiful person on the outside. But, I mean, this is just a person that is never satisfied with her social class. Or anything. Yeah. And so Katerina says that... Her previous husband, before Marmaladov, used to sing her that song. And so I looked up the full lyrics to this poem, and it's not shown in the book, but it ends with, With your beautiful eyes, you have tormented me so much and ruined me. My love, what more do you want? And I mean, if your husband is singing this to you, it's probably not a good sign, yeah, he's he's like singing this to her and and her children are, but she's like, oh, that's a beautiful song. And she tries to sing along, but collapses and she wants to know Sonia is still there. And that kind of grade A research with you looking into the entire poem is what you come back to the, the Bad Apple Book Club podcast for. Yeah, man, that is my level two Duolingo um skills coming into play here i could make out maybe 30 percent of this poem without researching or translating what the rest of it was but yeah i just thought that ending of the poem was super interesting because obviously this is a person that takes out her misfortunes on her whole family so yeah but yeah so she eventually fades into her own death Sonia is holding her uh, while she's crying. So again, Sonia is embracing. She embraced both of her parents before they died. The children, they start to cry, but it's kind of silly because they are still in their ridiculous costumes. I could see that being kind of silly, as unfortunate as it is. Because it's literally just a bunch of rags that... Katarina put together and these kids are just crying in them. This one kid has a turban on, but yeah, it is a pretty sad scene. During this time or after this time, Svidri Gailov, he pulls Raskolnikov aside and lets him know that he will cover all the funeral costs with the money he wanted to give to Dunya. Because if we can recall, he wanted to give 10,000 rubles to Dunya. Raskolnikov doesn't think his intentions are good, and he asks why he's doing this. He responds by saying, well, can't I do a simple act of humanity? And he points at Katerina and says, quote, 
she wasn't a louse, you know, or was she like some old pawnbroker woman? End Ooh. quote. Dun, dun, dun. So Raskolnikov is surprised and asks, how did you know that? He responds, why, I'm staying in the room next to this one. And then Raskolnikov says, you are? <laughs> like, And then... Her? Switch- yeah, you, uh, Svidrigailov says, yes, you interest me greatly. I told you we should become friends. And that's where part five ends. A huge cliffhanger. Things are about to get even more interesting than they already have been. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it was this episode, lots of drama and fighting but it was one of my favorite chapters for sure yeah definitely one of my favorite sections out of the whole book with um the part when peter is shown to be the big phony you know bad guy that he is is another one of my favorite parts in the whole book yeah and i imagine just like once he exits out of that room after the man tries to hit him with the glass, I think that's probably my, I don't know why, but that that's like the highlight of the book for me as far as like comedic value. I remember reading that and I just started dying laughing. Like There must have been a pretty specific type of energy in that room. Yeah. And just with like the craziest people yep. that you could get for a memorial dinner. And with that, part five comes to an end. Was there anything else that you wanted to mention before we wrap this thing up there, Cole Pal? Follow us on Instagram at Bad Apple Book Club. Yeah, give us a follow. We'll um, we're trying to be interactive with our audience. I think that's pretty cool and important. Maybe send us a message you'd want written out over the show or something like that. Yeah, maybe we can discuss some of the questions you guys might have. Yeah, we'd like to get more interaction going. But as far as part five goes, final thoughts, um, I just felt like this part was just a lot of comedic relief. Obviously, there's some parts that were pretty intense with Raskolnikov confessing to Sonia and then this final twist where Svidrigailov is like, the way he messes with Raskolnikov is just super interesting. He could have been like, oh, I heard you talk about these murders, but instead he like plays with him. Like, that's the thing. Every time he's with Raskolnikov, he's always trying to mess with him. And their first, and in their first conversation, he made sure to tell him that he's at least five times more powerful than him. It's very interesting to see Raskolnikov kind of meeting his match, if you will. And I think it's also interesting to note that we did not get barely any FaceTime with any of the relatives or our boy Resumian. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I wish there's more Resumian, our boy. But in part six, he'll have much more of a role to play. So Thank God. Yeah, so stay tuned because we know all of you guys are really enjoying Resumian and his adventures with Raskolnikov's family. 
And uh, with that, thanks again for listening. Yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in as always. And part six is the last part. And it's a little bit emotional. I don't know how you're feeling about it. I am ready to move on to another book, but it's kind of crazy to be on the last part of this series. So Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be hard to say goodbye to Raskolnikov and all these other characters we've met, but it'll, it'll be will, time, but we're, we're excited to uh, wrap this up for you guys. We'll be saying goodbye to a cast of characters and hello to another. Yep. And you'll just have to stay tuned to know what book we're going to cover next. So and we'll Absolutely. see you guys next time. Alrighty. Have a nice day. <laughs>